Hello and welcome to A Voice of Hope with Troy Peverall. This show is designed to offer hope for you and your family as you navigate through the struggles of life. We believe that this hope that comes from Jesus can lead you to live a life of victory in Him. I'm Chris Sasser, and today I get to lead us through a conversation about hope. We are glad you're here. Well, hello and welcome to A Voice of Hope. Chris Sasser here along with Troy and Kim Peverall and our friend Maggie McLam. And here's what I want to tell you. If you didn't hear our last episode to hear Maggie's full story, go back. Maybe even just like stop right now if you're listening to this on the podcast or if you're in your car, keep driving. You can kind of go find it online, but you can go to a uh, voiceofhope.me and find the podcast. Maggie has an incredible story just about her life and really a, a diagnosis that she's been struggling with for like how many years would it be now, Maggie? Um, well, kind of off and on, it started in 2010, wow. and um, it's still here. 13 years <laughs> of a diagnosis right. with cancer and fighting it in different ways, and just so many sort of miraculous things that have happened along the way. Again, go back and listen to her story. We're not going to recap all of that, um, but Maggie, I do want you to kind of give you a moment to, to tell everybody, like, what are some things that have been kind of important for you and some things that you've kind of been a part of that have been a part of this sort of journey of healing for you? Um, in the midst of, of everything you've had to deal with? I think what one of the things that's been very important to me is to help other people. Um, I feel like because of what I've learned, because of what um, God has allowed me to um, experience, I understand um, spiritual healing. I understand somewhat physical healing. Um, I know that um, there are so many things that get thrown at us in life and we just kind of lose it. We're just kind of surprised and shocked and we don't know where to go with it. Um, I've been in several ministries. I'm in one right now. And um, first one was a post-abortion ministry that we, we dealt with, worked with women who had um, had abortions. And that was, you know... It wasn't about stopping abortion, though that would be nice. It was about uh, saving souls. Um, these women were hurting and um, devastated that they had done what they'd done, um, feeling guilty, and you know they couldn't they couldn't be forgiven. And just to be able to walk somebody through and help them recognize that. God loves them through the whole thing, has never stopped loving them. Um, that was, to me, that was um, eye-opening. I know we went into the prisons at one point in time, and I remember the girl that was head of the ministry was saying, we're going to go into the women's prison. And I was like, oh, no, we're not. I'm not, going not in, me. I'm not going <laughs> in the women's prison. And she goes, oh, yes, we are. And I'm thinking in my head, and this is a horrible thing, but this is what I was thinking. I'm thinking, I can't go in there and relate to these women. I've never been a prostitute i've never done drugs i've never you know anything wrong (laughs) (laughs) and i remember that the first night we went in there i'm walking down the hall and thinking oh lord what what why am i here what is this going on and i remember i walked into the room sat down we started the whole program and the first woman that spoke it was just like everything melted away Mm -hmm. all my uh, hesitations all my prejudices because I looked at her and I recognized that she was no different than I was or that I am. She had sinned, I have sinned. 
there wasn't any difference. And for me not to be comfortable just because I was in the presence of somebody had sinned in a way that I hadn't sinned was not what God intended. Yeah. And so I, you know, my heart just turned to that ministry. Um, I'm now presently in a part of a Journey to Heal Ministries, which works with um, women who've been sexually abused. Um, it's, an, it's an amazing ministry. Um, hmm. We've got people across the United States, even in England, that um, are doing Bible studies uh, from the book that was written for this. Um, but just watching women who have for years suffered from the abuse, being shamed, um, humiliated, and just recognizing that is not the normal state. That is not where God wants us. You know, we talk about, you know, a lot of people say God doesn't want you to be sick. Talking about healing, physical healing. And he doesn't. But that doesn't mean that he's going to heal you, your physical ailments. But I do believe that he wants to heal and will heal everybody's spiritual. Take away the shame. Take away the humiliation. Take away the hurt and the pain. I mean, if you think about his ministry in his very short life, most of his sermons were about spiritual healing. Well, I mean, think about the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. That's what that was all about. And so just recognizing um, mm. that when you're seeking healing, especially spiritual healing, there's just, there's never going to be, well, I guess what I mean is there's always going to be an answer. There's always going to be mm -hmm. a hand you know, I remember somebody telling me when I was, I was asking about what can I expect when I started the ministry with the post-abortion? What can I expect here? And one of the ladies looked at me and she said, when you're in the circle and these women start bringing their stories out and telling what's happened, she said, just expect that Jesus will walk in the room and sit down next to you. Mm. And he does. Mm. Mm. I, know, I know Troy is, mm -hmm. I mean, we've all probably experienced yeah, that sure. and just seeing Jesus show up. Um, you hear these stories, and it, on the surface, you think there's nothing. I, there's nothing anybody can do. This person has been so hurt and beat down and used and abused. You know, what can we do? But we can't do anything. But Jesus will absolutely walk into the room. He does it all the time. Wow. And how would you say that being a part of those two ministries have have been a part of your own personal healing obviously you've been pouring yourself out and you've been giving to people but but how has that impacted you and your diagnosis in your situation well you know i've i'm sure you've had people say you know if god would just do a miracle then i would have greater faith mm. or if god would just heal this or stop that or why why does god allow that then i would believe well in through these ministries, I have seen healing that could not take place mm -hmm. any, in any other venue. Mm -hmm. um, I have watched Jesus, God, heal without failing over and over and over again. And that helps me to, re, to, to remember that I'm no different. I'm no different than these other women. You know, Jesus wants me healed spiritually more than anything else. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
you know, and to hear their stories after their healing, you know, for them to come back and say, this is what's happened to me since then is just, um, it's almost as good as reading some of the verses in the Bible. It just lifts your heart up. And it just reminds you, like I said before, Jesus, God is who he is. He, he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's not going to heal spiritually, heal this person one day, and the next day choose not to heal somebody mm-hmm. spiritually. Um, you know, I'm not a Rhodes Scholar in any of this, but I just have seen it with my own eyes that um, people who have been suicidal come back to life completely mm-hmm. and recognize where it came from. Part of what I hear you saying is, and you've said this in a number of different ways, I think, is that that this whole journey, both your journey and the way that you've been able to be a part of these ministries, it's reframed how you see healing. Absolutely. Uh, that's a great way to say it. Which oh. is so cool. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I was just thinking about it, just the whole idea of, of people's stories uh, being so, they so need to be heard and so interesting how we wait for the even sometimes like the right platform or or either push our stories down deep and and don't share but yet how how much healing actually can take place for somebody especially spiritually when we do are are willing to share our story and i think everyone has a story um everybody listening has a story and so many people need to hear that story and to inspire you know so listening to you once again is like this is this is good for my faith you know and as a counselor i i'm sitting here thinking i can talk about topics i can talk about grief i can talk about loss i can talk about difficulty i know those the right things to say but i can't i can't tell you about it until i've walked it and there's a difference there and i think everybody has walked some kind of story so. Well, I think in stories, whether it's about physical healing or spiritual healing, they hesitate to tell their stories because, and Troy, you've seen this so many times, because of shame. Right. I know that in my physical battle with cancer and heart disease and all that stuff, there have been times where I felt shame, uh-huh. you know, in talking about my story or in even admitting that I'm not well. Why you know, was the shame there, I think? Just because I think I was brought up to always just buckle up and be strong. Just be strong. Right. Don't complain. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need to tell everybody everything. Everybody, nobody needs to know these things. And so my belief was you just take it, swallow the pill, and move on. And for anybody else to know mm. is in an embarrassment. Right. And I've, I've come even, especially with the physical healing. Now I don't go around <laughs> shouting it from the rooftops, but I'm not, it doesn't bother me to say, yes, uh-huh. I have metastatic breast cancer. Right. You know, I, for me, I, there's only one time where I remember like having a real problem physically and and it really brought out the worst in me Um, I've I've been injured twice but the first injury was a knee injury and I had to use a cane to go up and down the steps in our counseling office I remember where I was and I was I was mad 
like literally just mad that I had to use this stupid device to walk. And yet going through that and then going through another surgery and being in pain, I didn't like some things it was showing me about myself. And maybe this is where some of the spiritual healing comes in. But I realized like I have a short fuse, like an anger when my body can't function right. And so, I mean, just listening to you going, okay, so God could have healed in a moment. God does that sometimes. Sometimes he doesn't. I don't mind asking for it, but sometimes he doesn't. But then there's that other part where you make the switch that this isn't about just the physical healing. It's about what is he trying to say to you? What is he maybe wanting to heal inwardly? So even when I think about down the road, like, God, I hope that I've grown and can accept this aging life (laughs) because I don't want to, I don't want to have that kind of guilt and that kind of resistance to what could be different if I would somehow get to that place and accept easier. Well, I think pain, I mean, pain can do a lot of things to a person. Um, it, it makes you feel like you're out of control. You know, you can't stop the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the first time I was diagnosed with cancer, and my surgeon told me, she said, I really don't think you're going to have to go through chemo. She said, I think this is, we caught it in early stages, and this is good. And, well, I remember when I woke up from the surgery, and my husband looked at me, and he said, you're going to have to do chemo. And I remember going home. Because chemo scared me to death. And I remember going home, getting down on my hands and knees in front of my couch, and just yelling. All I asked was no chemo. That's all I asked of you, God, was just, you know, let me have this surgery and let me walk away without having to do chemo. And I mean, just tears coming out, just screaming at the top of my lungs. And then recognizing, you know, that was all about, I didn't, you know, the stories you hear about chemo, you know, it's like I don't have any control over what goes on in my body. And so this, that was the fear. And just finally coming to the realization that I don't have any control anyway. Mm-hmm. Whether I yeah. have chemo or not, right. I have no control. And that through it all, wow. God has control over the pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has control over you. He has control in every aspect of it. Um, you know, Jesus hurt. I mean, look at what God allowed right. in Jesus' yeah. life. Yeah. You know, at the crucifixion. Mm. Pretty you painful. Know? Exactly. And so, yes, we're going to go through pain. Mm. Um, just recognize that we don't have control anyway, and right. we're never alone. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word right there. But we're going to have to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute um, talking to Maggie a little bit more. You're listening to A Voice of Hope. Thanks for listening to A Voice of Hope. This is a listener-supported ministry by folks like you. We're so glad that you've joined us. A Voice of Hope has been created as a nonprofit ministry to encourage our listeners with helpful resources for hopeful living as we navigate challenging days together. Through lighthearted, easy conversations between our host, Troy Peverall and Chris Sasser, along with their guests, it's our desire that you'll become a voice of hope in your community. Hey, let's change the narrative of the last few years to encourage peace over stress, exchange joy for sorrow, and share the message of hope over despair. Simple steps like these can profoundly impact your community and change lives. Everyone has a story to share and we would love to hear yours. So check us out on the web 
at mi1.net. That's mi1.net. It's the best place to find out more about A Voice of Hope, send an email, and find a secure place to give. Hey, thanks for listening. We're so grateful for this time together. Hello and welcome back to A Voice of Hope. Chris, Kim, Troy, and our friend Maggie McLam. Maggie, thanks again for kind of telling your story in so many different ways. Um, yeah, so I was I was think, thinking earlier, like as a listener, you know, maybe you haven't walked the road literally that you've walked um, to some illness, but, you know, we want to help people in that process that are going through something. And, yeah, we don't really know what to say or what to do and how to encourage yeah how to encourage so approach the topic there's an awkward and i think sometimes that's where those trite statements come in and we're praying for you and because those things are accepted especially in christian atmospheres um but what what what's what are things that you should or shouldn't say or should or shouldn't do what was helpful what's not helpful well one of the things that's not helpful is to start telling them a story about somebody you knew that went through this and how horrible it was. <laughs> um, it's kind of like I can't labor you may, stories. You're going through when we were pregnant and people yes. coming up say, "Oh, my sister when she was pregnant, she will you know uh, telling yeah, you this not horrible helpful. story." <laughs> exactly. And so, or when you know, a guy says, "I feel your pain." Yeah. <laughs> no, um, you don't. Please don't. <laughs> right. I tried even in the counseling room. I tried never to say, "I know how you feel." I would always say, "I can't imagine how you feel," mm. because even if I had been through something similar. I still didn't know what they were feeling, mm-hmm. you know, and so just recognizing that I recognize you're going through something, but I don't know how you feel and inviting them to share and don't be afraid of what they share. Mm-hmm. You're, it's not your job to heal them spiritually or physically, but just walk with them. Just, you know, a lot of times I, I see this image of people walking to on the opposite side of the road with somebody because they're uncomfortable mm-hmm. with what's going on in their life. You know, just like when you go to a funeral, well, what do I say? I don't know what to say. I might say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you don't have to say anything. Um, you know, sometimes it's just, I just want to hug you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard it called the ministry of presence. Yes, mm, exactly. That's good. I like that. Yes. That's just it. I'm just present. That's perfect. With you. That's, yes. that's all I need to be. You know, and there's, you know, sometimes your really good friends can always find small ways, you know, to let you know that they're thinking of you. But again, it's just, just calling, you know, one of the things that um, you experience occasionally in all of this is isolation. You know, you you have days you don't feel good and you're not going to go anywhere and participate in anything. And just, I used to have a friend that every other day she would text me a verse out of the Bible, just religiously. She would do it every other day. Um, and so it's just that remembrance. I'm thinking about you. I'm not afraid to be in your presence. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid for you to talk to me. I'm not afraid to hear your pain. Um, I don't have to understand it completely, mm-hmm. but all I have to do is love you. Mm. Mm. you know, so. As a counselor, can you address like, why, why do you think people are afraid to, to hear the scarier stories that somebody's going through well i don't think it's particularly helpful (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um i and it's 
I think we struggle, we struggle with our minds. Yeah. You know, where am I going with this? You know, the days that I wake up and I don't feel good, I have this choice of I can go here and I can be angry and I can be upset and I can snap at everybody and I can feel sorry for myself or I can go in this other direction and I can remember what God has done for me and I can, you know, think of other people that are going through things and, and go and encourage them. Um, and so I think the bad stories are kind of one of those things where we start, it's kind of like watching a horror movie just before you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. replays in your mind. Sleep. Exactly. You can't replays go to sleep. in your mind over yeah. and over again. You know, and again, it's about control. I have no control over what happens. And when you tell me this story, this horrible, awful story about your friend, that kind of feeds into the, oh, yeah, I don't have any control. This, I have no control. You know, and that just kind of brings on mm-hmm. panic. So, sure. yeah. Um, you've shared kind of a lot of this, um, but, but let's kind of, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, what hope would you want to offer to somebody um, who maybe is in the same boat? as you're in uh and and you know what would you kind of encourage them to be thinking in the midst of this well i i know i've said it before and i i think some people would think that i should have these wonderful words of wisdom that i should be able to say this and it's going to make everybody feel better all the ones all the people that are suffering but i i just it just comes down to the joy of the Lord, you know, um, remembering and reminding myself sometimes just minute by minute that he loves me unconditionally, that he loves me every minute of the day. Mm. Um, you know, and, uh, he, he himself will fill me with joy. Mm -hmm. I just have to be open to it. You know, and just remembering, okay, Lord, it's, you know, people say this all the time, and sometimes we laugh and sometimes we roll our eyes. Is okay, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Right. Why not? I mean, it's simple, and it, some people think it's trite, but it's a reminder. Mm-hmm. You know, our joy is in the Lord. It doesn't mean that life is good or great or easy. It doesn't mean we don't hurt. It doesn't mean there's not pain. It just means that this is the day the Lord has given you. Choose what you will do with it. And that word choose is so important in that. That's an action that, that we can do. You know, maybe maybe we, we do have a terminal diagnosis and we do sit and wonder and, and we, we, we see that our future is shorter than, than we thought. Um, but we still can do something. We can still choose to be happy. We can choose to be a vessel. We can choose to be a blessing to others. And I think that really does a work inside of us, you know, and in the course of our, the progression of our, our illness too. Well, exactly. And that, you know, goes back to the whole control thing. What control do I have? My reaction, my Mm -hmm. response. And so I choose to do this, which brings me closer to the things that are going to get me through this, Mm -hmm. you know, and to remember that. I am loved. I don't know how many times I can I can say that. Every time I say it, it just makes me feel so peaceful. Um, and so that is the control that you have. I think that's a really good point, Kim, mm-hmm. is choosing, choosing to do the thing that 
helps choosing to uh, recognize and remember who God is Mm -hmm. um, and remember what he's done for you in the past. So, you know, right there is that little bit of itty bitty bitty control that we Mm -hmm. have. Mm-hmm. That's, That's good. good. You know, I was a lot of times I think about the whole idea that, you know, Jesus is our redeemer. So redeemer being that he takes back what was stolen. And in this life, I know we're going to have pain and trials. And many of those things, I believe, are things actually that were stolen from us, that the enemy was a part of, that sin was a part of. And when I when I go to that place, there's this thought, like, you know, if you're a child of God, if you're a believer, that he's going to redeem everything. And I don't believe that means to restore necessarily in this life everything that was stolen. But I do believe that everything that was stolen will be redeemed by God. So my, the question for me becomes, okay, for the believer, we live forever. I mean, we live forever. So we have this life that we may if I make it 60 years, 70 or whatever, 20, but then as a believer, I have really eternity. So it's like in this life, God is going, eternity starts for the believer the day that the Lord comes into a man or a woman. And so for eternity to begin at that place and then God's redemptive action taking place from that point in time, he is going to redeem. And so I get to participate in this life with him to see whatever he wants to redeem, or I will see it in the next life. And so when I think of that, I'm like, like I want to participate in that. I don't know what that looks like for everything, but I want to believe in that because I think that's what he does. Because he, he promised this is what he does. This is what he did on the cross. He's taking back what was stolen and the, the devastation that sometimes that, that creates in our life. Yeah, that's a great picture. So, Maggie, thank you so much again. Thank you. For telling your story, for being such an incredible voice of hope to everybody listening. Don't forget, you can go to a voiceofhope.me to get more information about the ministry. And we'll talk to you again next time on A Voice of Hope.